word has been doing its work already, eh? <laughs> the power of what God does is, is very obvious. We're going to be talking about um, hearing in the spirit today. And I want again for us to soak in what he is saying to us. Who are we? Who are we? First Peter 2 9. Have a listen to this. You are a chosen race. Chosen. Not a random selection. Pre-thought, chosen, royal priesthood. Not the scumbags to serve me. Special people. Set apart. That you may set forth the wonderful deeds. That you may yourselves be the recipients of and the display of him who has accepted you. The display, the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. He's speaking to us as who we are. We are spiritual sons. We have been born of a spirit. We are no longer sons of the earth. We are sons and citizens of heaven. We don't hear and receive from him through the earth's ways. We hear and receive from him from heaven's ways. Spirit. He has a divine purpose that he's always had from before the foundation of the earth, before you and I were made, before Adam and Eve were made, before the world was made. It's established. You are holy and blameless. You are set apart. Why? Because I am calling a people to be a bride for my son. It was set apart and put in place before we ever appeared. Everything is established by God in the unseen, his realm. And then he speaks, he speaks his words and his words bring what's unseen into the realm that we live in, in our seen realm. And so we have, we have been called and chosen for this divine purpose. No other divine purpose. This divine purpose we've been called and chosen for. And this divine purpose is manifested in a divine way. So it's built in a divine way. It's, it's um, food is a divine source. It's not an earthly source. We've been hearing what that food is. What is it? It's the eternal living word of God that comes in and forms Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That is, that is the, the living substance of his life in us. The presence of him, him in us. Not him in us, him in us. 
He's, he's the hope of glory because without him in us, we can't be transformed. We can't know anything. But when he called us and chose us, he came to live in us, to open up to us his world, to share with us things that have been mysteries to us, but they ain't mysteries to him. And he unfolds those to us by his spirit. So we're no longer centered here on earth trying to figure things out in our own minds. We're accepting and responding to his word as it's coming to us. So the process of hearing is entirely different. And that's something I just want to speak to a bit um, through, through this morning. We hear in the word, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There is a, there is a, a capacity in us to hear, but it's not of the natural. It's of the Spirit that he gives us. We hear that the, the gospel itself comes with power. It comes with the Holy Spirit. It comes and brings full conviction. There's a power in his word that does something in us that we can't do. You see, there's a there is a trying to understand that is futile. And in Job, he talks, God is talking to Job and he says, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? There are words that have no knowing, not, no, no absolute truth of knowing the truth. It sounds funny because this is not about information. Knowing is about the presence of God. It's about the actual God rocks up. And, and when God rocked up to Job, he said, I have heard about you, but now I've seen you. Now I know you. There is a sense that unless God actually presents himself with us, and reveals himself, we can't know. It says, the, the world in all her wisdom did not come and cannot come to know me. Yeah. <laughs> my, a bit of my story. <laughs> um, and I don't believe this is isolated. That's why I share it. When I, when I became um, his and he revealed himself to me and I came literally from the day before, I didn't believe that God existed, to him doing something in me that made me scream out and say, if you're there, show yourself. And he did. And he revealed himself and showed me that he existed, <laughs> the very basic. There was a, a hunger in me for his word. There was a hunger in me for, for this knowing him. The thing is that I just went about the process of trying to come into that knowledge, how I came, went into the process of coming into any other knowledge that I'd lived. So my personality push, I suppose, was very analytical. So, I mean, that's, it's a God-given gift to be able to seek out, research, and analyze. I had been using it as a musician. It's very handy as a musician. So it's a God-given ability. But did some real not-so-great things when I started applying it to learning about God, learning 
about God. Hmm. <laughs> so my, my walk in those days was hunger, 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 hunger. I was hungry, all right. But I remember in the, so this all, this turnaround coming from darkness into light happened at the end of my schooling. And then the next year I was in Christchurch at university. And opposite to the halls of residence where I was staying, there was this little Anglican, it was called Latimer House, that was this theological library. And you could just go there any time. And I thought, yay! So I went into this, and I don't know, big books. They were the ones that was, oh, yes, Strong's, Young's, Young's Analytical Concordance. Oh, it was the love of my life. <gasps> And I would pour over the scriptures and I would look up and I would look at this and now try and research this and, and, and longing, longing to understand, longing to come into what would change, what would, what would illuminate, would completely change my life. And I don't know why I carried on for so long because I, I the, you know what I think it is? I think there's, with that, because unfortunately that is all so tied up in pride, there's this fascination. There's a fascination. It's not actually a God thing. It's a, it's a worldly pride fascination and what am I going to find out? And so I would go down all these rabbit holes. And I was, you know, creating new theology everywhere. (laughs) I'm sure it's this, I'm sure it's this, I'm sure it's this. Um, Anyway, so that that was as a student. (laughs) Um, I guess I didn't really hear much else in the churches that I was going to there so much. Um, it's not that there wasn't any interaction with the spirit, but it was just that this was my mode of operation, and it was the only thing I knew, and so it was my, it was my default, completely my default. So I'm going to learn this way. When when it came um, after I finished the the degree, and Chris and I got married, and. You know, four years later, we started having children. So within the <laughs> all of this, there's all this um, natural man that's defining everything. So the natural man of analysis, perfectionism. Oh, that was strong in this one. The force was strong. So perfectionism, again... Very, you know, it gets encouraged in the music world. You know, you go for perfection and, and, and that's your goal. That's your goal. That's your goal. You're always falling short of it, but that's still your goal. And so when family came along, it was like, I'm a Christian. So when I have children, I'm going to be the perfect mother so that all those people that don't know God can look at me and Find out about God and how to do everything. Wow. I can tell you, I mean, you laugh, but I guarantee some of you have been down this track. And what it leads to is um, consistent falling short and feeling like you're a failure. Um, There were other things that led to in the children which weren't that nice because their behaviour then reflected on my ability and, and, and there was all sorts of nasty stuff that, you know, he, he did by measures help his mercy and his grace. Oh, how would we be even here? <laughs> there was no lack of desire toward God 
There was no lack of commitment. Like, we were the perfect church members. <laughs> you could get us to do anything. We were totally submitted. We would do anything. What can we do? I was asking those questions the whole time. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? If something was happening with the, the kids, uh, with you know, they were going through rebellion and stuff. It was like, how do, how do I, what's the right way to do this? So I was constantly looking for the how-tos because that was the only mode of operation I knew. <laughs> oh, dear. In his mercy, he, he doesn't leave either me or my husband or my kids without hope. His love pours down, his grace pours down in all of that. You see, the, the natural knowledge puffs up. Talks about that in 1 Corinthians 8. One to three, it says we all possess knowledge, but knowledge, and that is the Greek word, whatever it is, E-I-D-O, I don't know how to say it, puffs up while love builds up. Ah, what is going on here? How can love be knowledge? I can't work that out, I can't work that out. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Oh, mysterious words. But whoever loves God is known by God. And that known is gnosko. So I'm going to explain, try and explain, with natural words. But they're not natural words. This is spiritual truth. You see, the knowledge of God, plain and simple, comes from his being, not our knowing. And his being is love. (laughs) Vines talks about, in the New Testament, Gnosko frequently indicates a relation between the person knowing and the object known. In this respect, what is known is of value or importance to the one who knows, and hence the establishment of relationship. So the true knowing doesn't come by learning about. The true knowing comes by a relationship. And I guess we can see this in in a marriage situation. Like I don't know about on afar. It's like I know about all these things about this person called Chris Logan. Doesn't touch me. It's over here. There's a there's a a oneness of relationship where there's an intimacy and love within that builds the true knowing of the person. That amazing word, gnosko, is talking about a deep, intimate knowledge. And it's the word that gets used in Matthew 1, 24, 25. And it's actually talking about the most intimate oneness between a man and a woman, man and his wife. Um, Then Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her. In other words, some versions say kept her a virgin, saying the same thing, till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Gnosko, knowing. But whoever loves God is known By God. (sighs) 
He doesn't want just to be, for us to be known by him, but us to know him. It's a two-way thing. Chris doesn't just know me intimately, I know him intimately. Hmm. So, this analytical living just didn't produce anything. I know it will. That's why I can speak about it. It's always after answers. Quickly, please. Uh, Answers quickly. (laughs) To problems. Because then I want to get on with my life. Can you just give me the answer? Please give me the answer. Uh, 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 uh. And then I can just get on with my life. (laughs) I wonder why sometimes God doesn't answer those kind of prayers. Hmm. Maybe he wants us to know him. (laughs) Not just to have him solve our problems and then get on our merry way. And he's there in the picture, but he's kind of behind, and we'll turn to him next time we have a problem. Thank you. I'll turn to you. (laughs) And he's all the time saying, come to me. John 5, 39 to 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, the person. And you are unwilling to come to me, the person, so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you. This is Jesus. I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. See, to have him in us is to know him. When I was searching all the time for answers, um, I was in a place that's talked about in the scripture. Let me find it for you. It's in Romans 8. I'll just read it here for you. it's talking about the mind that's set on the flesh and the mind that's set on the spirit. Right. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. There's a result of living that way. This mode of operation produces death. Do you see, the thing is that it promises so much life. Man, it promises life. Because that's been our way of learning. If we only get more knowledge, I was looking for just that key. That key that would unlock everything. (laughs) Because it was in me that that was the way it had to come. And there was just more, I I just didn't know something. I didn't understand something in my head that I had to learn. So I would listen. I would, my process was to listen and to learn and try and to memorize. Then then it was like, if, if, I've, if I can memorize it, I've, and I just recite it over and over, and, and then I can speak it out and recite it, what someone else has said. And it might be their revelation completely, but it's not a revelation to me. But if I know it enough and go over it enough, and then I can recite it and, and tell somebody else, 
Oh, then I'm a messenger. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> so it's all without life. It's all because I'm just learning these things. And if I couldn't remember it, and it was like, oh, oh, I've got to remember it. So it's all in this cognitive processing. Yeah, it didn't work so well, really, because what happens is that we produce this life, um, or live this life, that's a bit like what's spoken of in Jude. And it talks about um, people who are like clouds without water. So clouds, yay, water's coming. You think of, you know, if you actually want water. (laughs) Um, So in the arid desert, a cloud comes. It's promising promising rain, it's promising um, growth, but there's no water. Hmm. Lots of words, but no ability to demonstrate the words. Hmm. You know what it says? They're devoid of the spirit. Lovers of themselves caught up in themselves. So back to my story. Um, I have shared the more or less the testimony of how God brought me to a point of falling on the rock, coming to the end of myself. And in that time... I had tried, I had sought counsel, I had prayed, I had surrendered, I thought, you know. But there was always something that I should do. So I was very, still function, still, what do I do? I didn't know how to be, I didn't know how to, do nothing. And when this situation happened in our family, we was like this massive crisis. And I came to the realization that I didn't have what I needed. I didn't, in this specific case, I didn't have the love that I needed to love upon what was coming at me without it destroying me. That's these. Words were destroying me. My whole identity was in what I was doing as, as a mother particularly, but all of those things were entangled. And I came to a complete breaking point where I literally thought it would be better to bye-bye earth, you know. Um, all it was was him allowing me to come to a point where the fruit of the mode of operation was smashed. And my pride was smashed. My default setting of there should be something I can do about this. This trying to work everything out. Seeking him in the wrong way and, and not... It has to go, you know, um, because there's no life in it. And, and he sees who we are, and he sees his ways, and he says, come to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Oh, I was weary and heavy laden. Man, I was trying so hard, and then some. That's why he says, come to me. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You will not earn it. I will give it to you. (laughs) And take my yoke. What is a yoke? It's relationship. Take my yoke. Have another way of walking. And learn from me. This is not about learning about me. I'm not up here and you're down here trying your hardest to please me. Take my yoke, come to me, know me, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm humble and gentle in heart. I'm not going to spurn you and say that's not good enough. It's not, it's not right yet, Sandra. <laughs> you will find rest because you will cease striving. You will cease from your working. You are doing it your way. So, in his mercy, I knew the prayer to pray at that point. And I just screamed out and I said, Lord, I need you to reveal your love to me, in me. And in those months which were, um, you know, all the stuff was going on. There was a place, and I, I've described the picture he gave me at the time, and you, you know this is, this is what it is, Sandra, I've just told you. You're coming off that place where you thought you were ministering and whatever, and you're right up there and your ear is on the heart of the Father. And that was where I, that's where I knew I had to stay. You know, that is the place that we stay. We don't leave that place. But I didn't know that place. And in, in the process of this, he started pouring his love into me like I have never known. <laughs> the mercy and the grace. When I see those kids doing that to that song, I was just weeping. That's what he's done. That's what he does. As he takes us to his heart and he says, just be, just be. Just allow me to, to love you, to fill you, uh, to source you. <laughs> it's what I intended all the time. I didn't intend this running around thing. You being separate from me. I never, ever, ever asked you to do that. Just be with me. Just receive my love. Be filled with me. He gave me the, the what to do in the situation. But without the empowerment of his actual presence and his love that became the steady stream, it, 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 it wasn't like, well, now I've received that amount of love and and now it's going to be used up if I give that out to that person. There was no, that, that was the old stuff, you know, me just trying to get a little bit more love out. I need to rest a while and recoup because I think I've given all my love out. It wasn't that. It so wasn't that. It was this source from love himself who never runs dry. And no matter what came, it didn't, it didn't penetrate anymore. Because hmm. he formed himself in me. You don't, it, this is not who you are. This is who you are. <laughs> the power of that. So I've, I've shared this before and it was, Revolving, you know, there there was a how-to that came out of it. I had so many people. Can, I, can you tell me those how-tos? <laughs> the things that he showed me to do in the situation to help someone who was struggling with depression. There's <sighs> a problem with that because that was how I'd been living. You just give me so someone else's, you know, what had happened. If you don't have this relationship and this love in you, you don't have the capacity to do it. The, the capacity to do it is him in you, his source. So there's no point in me telling you what he told me. You come to him. <laughs> the power, the power of Christ within he is the wisdom and the power of God. Amen. And he 
wants to be in us. And he wants our life to flow out of him in us. Not in this separate thing. Not in us trying to understand. First, let's can we see, First Corinthians uh, 21. And I'll read just a few verses through this. So First Corinthians 21, for since the wisdom of in the in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. He's done it for a reason. Because he wants relationship. If we were gonna if we were gonna figure him out and know him through our own thing, we would not need relationship. It's all about relationship, it always has been. It says in verse 24, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 30, it says, by, but by his doing, his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and all things and all things, and all things, and everything we need. There's this ability to demonstrate that only comes from him, his presence in us. I'm a living testimony to someone who believed in my head, but had no demonstration. So it's not about what you believe in your head. I was waiting for what I believed in my head. This was my thinking. Waiting for what I believed in my head to drop down to my heart and become a living reality. It does not happen that way. There was decades of that. I gave it a fair try. Please don't do it. Just let me be the monkey who's who's done being experimented on. You know, like, don't do it. Don't go there. It's death. And it's frustration. Man, I was frustrated and I was angry, anxious, fearful. That was what was coming out. That was the demonstration of Christ coming out of me. I don't think so. That was the demonstration of flesh. But the demonstration of Christ is power to overcome Because he has overcome, not because we overcome, but because he has overcome. So he has done it all. And our capacity, when we know that it ain't cutting it, we are completely inadequate. We then come into Paul's position, which he expressed about having no confidence in the flesh. But here, unwittingly, I had lots of confidence in the flesh. But I I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have acknowledged that. I didn't have it revealed. I thought I was doing it the right way because I didn't know anything else. So God in his mercy and his love covers, 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 you know, and maybe just lets it kind of take its course because it, it, the futility will be shown for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when it comes... Do we then go, I'm out of here? Or will we allow him to do the work in us? So his mercy is well able to work it out. Paul talks about, um, I, I love this. This is got to be one of my favourite passages. and It's so good, I'm going to put it in the Amplified. How about that? <laughs> you get even more. <laughs> Philippines 3, 7-9. But whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, my personality type, my intellect, my way of understanding, my knowledge of God, my knowledge about God, 
my knowledge of the scriptures, my, it can go even further. It's like, I understand this and this and this about people or relationships or how to raise kids. <laughs> you know, it's everything. How many people have I had conversations with? It's just like, just don't know what to do. And this person, and, and they're all Christians telling them patterns of the world. Interesting. <laughs> Why are we so familiar with patterns of the world? The latest thing. Why are we fascinated on Facebook when it comes out with something that, ooh, 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 fascinating about some method of doing this or that in relationships or in diet or in whatever? Why are we drawn to that stuff when he wants to be everything and he wants to teach us? Okay, back to, just wanted to go there and we're going to go, that's Romans 12, but Back into this amazing thing. So I count um, whatever form of things that I might have, might have been gained to me, I have come to consider them as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession. Listen to this. Listen to this. The possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse and dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. I get that now. I get that now. It's rubbish. You know, he's still doing the work in me. It's not like this is all done. A couple of weeks ago, he brought truth up to something that I confidently acclaimed. And I was like, that's not right. Hmm. (laughs) It was interesting. And then a couple of days later, he showed me in the scriptures. See? Wow, never seen that before. I was confidently acclaiming that. And so it's like, thank you. Thank you. Man, and then I just spent time with him. Jesus, what, what else might be tied to that? You know? And he unearths stuff that kills us. It's the process that he, he takes us on by the Spirit. But it comes out of communing with him, asking the questions and spending time. It comes out of being able to receive, knowing his love, knowing he's always for us, that when those words come, they don't come to destroy us, they come to give us life. Literally, literally, this truth comes by his spirit and it brings us into freedom. And if we don't have the freedom, it may be like me, I wasn't receiving it right. I was trying to come into it the wrong way. Because his word does what it says it does. He says he speaks it out and it will not return to me void. There's power in his word. Right. Isn't that beautiful? And look at this. And that I may actually be found and known as in him. Paul knew this, didn't he? He really did knew that in life. Christ is. In me, the hope of glory, this mystery that, that God has revealed that I'm not living separate, absolutely, not trying to, to, to gain anything separately. He's in me. And if he's in me and he's the power and the wisdom of God, guess what's going to come out of me? 
life and I'm going to know power, wisdom in the situations. Not because that worked in that situation, that worked in that situation. This is how we work. We sort of have a, you know, he works once like that. And so now I don't really need to seek him and just hear. I can just apply it. Hmm. That doesn't work. It's not the way Jesus walked. He never spoke anything unless he heard the Father saying it. And he never did anything unless he saw the Father doing it. But that level of intimacy is a deep relationship. It's not a superficial kind of on the side, in and out, in and out. It's an abiding, deep relationship with him. And that is what he is doing in us and he's wanting to do in us. And he's longing to do in us. Beautiful, eh? See, it all, it all ties in with the eternal purpose of God because this, this people, as we've heard, they are like him. They know who they are. They're free from themselves and they're able to live in the same way that Jesus lives because they're connected. They're one. So they're living from who he is. So Romans 12, I'm going to finish here. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's all. I came to the end of myself, so he got all. I was trying to give all, but I wasn't dead yet. <laughs> when I came to the end of myself, I was dead. And I was desperate and knew that the only life was anything he gave me. And do not be conformed to this world. NIV says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's a beautiful scripture. I'm going to throw it in and come back to this. Ephesians 5. Um, can't remember where, but look it up. Um, and it talks about the great mystery of the marriage between Christ and the church. And it says, for this reason, for this reason, A man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. For this reason, for the fact that this is the eternal purpose that God has had in his heart from before the foundation of the earth, we leave everything that has fathered and mothered us, the systems of operating, everything, all the relationships for the sake of being joined. So the do not be conformed is just another way of saying what I just said. Leave the fathering and mothering, the leaning on your own understanding, leaning on what you think you know that's not him. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in because we don't even know what's wrong, but he certainly does. So he brings light like I just showed in that other time. It was like, wow, wow, I didn't know. I was, I was standing on the wrong thing there. And he brings his spirit to, to bring to light and then he renews our mind to who Christ is and to what, what is truth in this, in this situation. It's an ongoing thing. So that you may prove what the will of God is. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? I've just talked about it a number of times. What is this eternal purpose and will of God? That by this giving our 
our all and surrendering our all, dead, <laughs> living sacrifice, <laughs> turning away from what's fathered and mothered us and the patterns of the world that want to entangle us and call us into other things, what is, and, and transforms us by the renewing of our mind so that we prove something. <laughs> we prove that this is the will of God. <laughs> that we are being transformed for a purpose because he sees his bride. He sees his bride. He knows her. He knew her before the foundation of the earth. And we are coming into the, the understanding and the renewing of our mind to what he's already seen, what is already finished. So getting rid of the stuff and bringing us into the real. And we become the living, walking testimony of God. We become the display of his work. How did that happen? She was so this. She was so full of, I know her. Got some lovely friends over there who probably know me in that capacity where I was full of frustration, <laughs> full of anger. That is not me now. It just isn't. <laughs> this is beautiful. I'm just going to leave it there. And Lord, I just I pray, Father, that your word would find its way and it would illuminate us and bring us, Lord, into the knowledge of you that is you. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, for all of us in this journey, that if there's any that have been in this way of trying to work it out, trying to work it out, trying to remember, trying to have the right thing to say, Lord, that we, we would realize that you never intended us to do that but you have life for us. And you're saying, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Just be. Just be. Just receive from me. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to do anything. Just come to me. And I pray, Father, that this true knowledge of you, Lord, would be built as only you can. And we would be relationally connected to you in such depth, not in superficiality, but, Lord, in the depth that's in your heart. And that, Lord, perhaps today we would step towards that and we would turn away from and step towards you and ask and seek to know you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you always are working in accordance to that eternal will of the Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Mm.